Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, the Thursday, August 11th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. We got a two-parter on today's docket here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. We start things off with the athletics, Yovan Bua to talk all things NBA. We talked Kyrie, we talked about KD, we talked about LeBron, AD, you name it. We talked about it on this podcast, Katie's uh, possibility of being traded to the Celtics. If Kyrie to the Lakers is still probably something that's going to happen, maybe right after uh, such a deal goes down. Uh, we talked about how the Lakers plan to use AD this upcoming season. Uh, of course, some Russell Westbrook stuff, as always. And then uh, some win totals that we like. So Vegas win totals are out right now for the NBA going into next year so we kind of examined who we like who stood out who we don't like that sort of thing so a lot of fun clippers timberwolves hawks a lot of interesting uh over-unders that are now out uh, across the league so we talk about all that here on part one the thursday august 11 2022 edition here on the chase Most podcast as always we appreciate you making the chase Most podcast part of your daily listen wherever and however you listen to this program we greatly appreciate it uh you can also watch us on youtube youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast like and subscribe all that good stuff read me at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com sportsrenaissanceman that's me dot substack.com type your email become a subscriber today all right Part one on Thursday. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. Hello, and welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast, taping this on a Wednesday afternoon. Old friend, OG of the Chase Thomas podcast, Yovan Pua. Been here since the beginning. Sir, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. It's, uh, it's that kind of quiet-ish time of the offseason, so... Uh, enjoying myself. It is quiet unless you're a uh, conspiracy theorist uh, today on what was going on with the Kevin Durant stuff over the weekend and the trade stuff. And we'll get into Kevin Durant in a second. But it is kind of wild that we've kind of gotten to the point where we we don't know what to do when there's nothing going on in the NBA. Like I'm going through different websites that I check every day and I'm like, man, they're really just... Is, not a lot for me to read right now there's not a lot like if i read one more power ranking the western conference at the moment i i might have a might have an aneurysm but what are you doing like how how are you handling uh this break are you just freshening up on all the movement are you finding different ways to write about the lakers how does that uh this kind of slow period affect you yeah uh it's it's tough for sure uh to to produce content right now I, i think Naturally, there is a link with the Kevin Durant stuff and the Lakers, just with Kyrie and Russ and what the Lakers are going to end up doing. So I think that at least has kept things a little interesting. Uh, But at this point, I've done a couple mailbags. I've done a depth chart and rotation and and rotational battles. Uh, I've done free agency analysis. Uh, So like I'm kind of out of... Uh, ideas and you know I haven't, I haven't written mm-hmm. anything this week yet. Uh, the Lakers do have a documentary coming out on Hulu, uh, that legacy documentary that mm-hmm. uh, is kind of their version of the Last Dance uh, about the Bus family and the Laker organization since the Bus family took over. So I'm probably going to have a review out on that. But uh, yeah, right now the, the next few weeks I kind of got to figure 
something out. Maybe they end up making the the Kyrie trade or something else, and that gives me something to talk about. But uh, yeah, this is really the dead time of the league aside from the Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell stuff. Okay. Well, what about the the Sun? You could you could pitch him, be like, hey, what do you want me to write about? Like, uh, this is your time to shine. What do you want me to write? Is it that show? Like, Alan Sepinwall was tweeting about this. Do you? Are you, as a parent, is this something that all parents are now aware of? This show called like Bluey or something? Seven Wall talks about this. He was tweeting about this. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like B-L-U-E-Y. Do you know what I'm talking about? I feel like I've, I've heard of it, but okay. I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you much about it. Okay. Well, it was a thing I saw this morning. Seven Wall was tweeting about it. And uh, you doing your film writing had me thinking about it too. I'm just like, oh, maybe that's the maybe that's the thing. You find uh, find a way to go down that rabbit hole. Um, yeah, well, you've got some RogerEbert.com to sort through uh, over the next couple of days. Some Rolling Stones, some AV Club uh, to get ready for entertainment writing a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I got a... The first half of, of the docs, I've been going through it, and it's pretty interesting. I, I think, uh, obviously, the the recent kind of comparison is Winning Time, mm-hmm. uh, for, for those who watch that on HBO, uh, which was a bit of a sensationalized version of the first season of uh, Dr. Buss and, and Magic and uh, them winning that, that first championship. So uh, th- this gets into that and, and more, I, I think, of course, anytime it's it's coming from a team, there, there's going to be certain things that they don't touch on or or certain things. But I, I do think there's a good level of, of vulnerability here, and they go into like Doctor Bus dating a bunch of models and actresses, and and kind of having a bunch of different girlfriends, and like going to the Playboy Mansion, and, and some of those things that like you wouldn't necessarily think they would touch on, and and they do. Yeah. So uh, so far, I've enjoyed it, and I, I think if you're Obviously, if you're a Laker fan, I think you're going to love it. But even if you're a basketball fan and, and just the palace intrigue of the Lakers and all the stars that they've had and everything, like I, I think it's going to be an interesting doc. Um, when you when you threw out like the whole Kyrie thing, still, do you think that's not completely dead? Like that's still very much up in the air. Is it just waiting until what happens with Kevin Durant? You can't really do anything because it's like one of those things where Kyrie can't move until KD moves. Is that kind of yeah. where you're at with this? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I mean, that, that's that been the sense I've gotten really the, the whole time is that KD is the first domino. And because uh, I, I think there's, because there's been conflicting, a lot of conflicting intel with this whole situation. And, you know, on, on one side, you've, you've kind of heard, oh, well, the Nets want to remain competitive and like they don't have their picks. And, uh, you know, they, they didn't, if you look at a lot of their moves this offseason, Royce O'Neal, TJ Warren, re-signing some of those guys, like those are win now moves. Those are not mm. we're rebuilding and going in a different direction moves. So right. I think a lot of the signs have pointed to that. But on the other side, like as uh my colleague John Hollinger wrote yesterday, like they actually do have some incentive to tank if this implodes, which it really is imploding, uh, because they actually do have their pick. Uh, next season's pick is a pick swap with the Rockets, depending on which one is worse. Most mm-hmm. likely the Rockets will be worse. Who who knows? Maybe Brooklyn, if they bought them out, or end up being worse than the Rockets. But like either way, you're getting, if you are tanking, probably a top five, top seven pick in the 2023 draft. So I think there actually is a path for Brooklyn to really just clean house and and you know maybe keep Ben Simmons and, and trade Katie and Kyrie and say, hey, we're going in a different direction, younger guys, 
Ben Simmons is one of our fina- uh, foundational pieces. Let's get uh, a lottery pick in 2023 and let's, you know, kind of rebuild this culture here. So in that case, I think it obviously makes sense to, to trade Kyrie. I don't see the reason to keep him. If they're trying to remain competitive and they are looking at a Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart type package of can we get an, another all star and another quality starter? Then it makes more sense to me. Okay, keep Kyrie. Now we're we're going with Kyrie, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Ben Simmons, and like Nick Claxton or or a center or something. So I think it really depends on the you know, like really the the KD package will inform what happens with Kyrie because again if they're going if they're trying to remain competitive it makes some sense to keep Kyrie have him be your number one or two and you know go that route but if they are just cleaning house rebuilding I think. Kyrie would have to follow and based on the what he has put out there uh and and sort of just the the landscape of the league there might be a, a dark horse or two that enter the, the mix but I really think the Lakers are the strong favorites and they're they're kind of betting or you know bidding against themselves and it's just a matter of okay they probably have to give up a, a couple picks but Russ plus a couple picks maybe Taylor Horton Tucker or Kendrick Nunn and then get Kyrie and a Nets role player and call it a day. Do you think over the meeting from a couple of days ago between Rob and uh, LeBron that that was brought up of just like LeBron was looking at the roster and I think he mentioned that just the struggles and feeling like they did not have a great chance to win a lot of nights last season and uh, when you saw the rotation and what LeBron was having to deal with for most of the season and as you <laughs> watching every game, uh, I would assume side with LeBron uh, on this, but do you think that's something that comes up with him and with Rob where it's like, Hey, like (laughs) privately, we're not, this is not going to get out publicly, but privately we understand that, that Russell Westbrook is not going to flip the script and he's not going to be drew holiday for us next year. And that as great of a coach as Darvin Ham might be, that's just asking too much out of Darvin Ham to flip this guy who's been in the league for as long as Russell Westbrook has to play entirely different way. Um, That's just not, not a realistic proposition for him and nor is it i think uh i think fair but do you think that's something that you talk about where you're like hey katie's probably going to get moved soon and when he does that's when the Kyrie and it's really us like we (laughs) there's not a lot of options around the league for Kyrie. we're sitting there are you good with the reunion do you think that's enough do you want to go down that that path do you think that was discussed yes yes okay um you know i i think all the parties are aware of the options and the, the different directions they can go in. Uh, I think it's, I think it's one of those situations too, where like everybody wants to keep their hands clean because I, mm. I think there was a lot of uh, finger pointing with the Russell Westbrook situation. And a lot of that ended up coming on uh, LeBron and, and AD and, and clutch and, and sort of, you know, that they were the ones that really wanted Russ more so than the rest of you know the, the front office. Uh, so I, I do think this is one of those situations where optics matter and everyone is trying to kind of keep their side of the street clean. And, and I think everybody wants the same thing. It's just kind of how they're going about it and, and really trying to make like not leave any traces of like, you know, a footprint of this person really pushed for this. Um, I'm, I'm sure if the deal, if the deal happens, like, you know, it'll come out kind of what the parties wanted and, and who was pushing for what. But um, I, I do think like, 
I, I think LeBron is very uh, conscious of his image and, and sort of that he kind of has this reputation for if he doesn't like a coach or if he doesn't like a star teammate, you know, just replace him or, or you know, lead, you know, lead GM and, and all the stuff that he, he kind of gets nicknamed with. So I think he, he's trying to kind of operate in the right way. And, and I, I think so too are the Lakers. And again, I, I've been saying this for a while now, but like it's in the Lakers best interest to operate as if Russ is coming back because the, there's really no upside to them publicly being like, we don't want Russ. He's not a part of this. We're trying to trade him. That just takes away their leverage in talks. And I, I think mm-hmm. there's really been a, a groundswell of we're keeping Russ. He's our third guy. We're going to make it work. And like a lot of similar talk to to last offseason when they acquired him. Mm-hmm. But I, I think give anybody truth serum there. And it's like they know he's not going to change. And mm-hmm. th- I mean, there's there's also just a limitation to how much he can change. Right. Like. Uh, it, it's hard for a player who's played a certain way for 14 years to change in year 15. And if Russ's jumper was going to come, it would have happened already, right? Like it, right. It, it just hasn't developed. And, uh, you know, if anything, it's regressed. And so I, I think, you know, maybe there's ways to use him more effectively off the ball. Maybe, maybe there's ways to get him to buy in more. But why was he not doing that last season? And that's my thing because I, I think, uh, Sometimes Russ gets too much of the blame where everyone's, you know, all of last season was Russ's fault, blah, blah, blah. But then I think there's some people that are Russ defenders that will just say, will, will kind of make every other excuse of, you know, Frank Vogel or the injuries or LeBron or this or that. And I'm like, well, where, where's the accountability from, from Russ of mm-hmm. him making changes? Like the, the only change you can really say he made was like he had the ball in his hands less, but that's like the minimum change you make when you join a star trio. But like, mm-hmm. what actual changes did Russ make to his game to accommodate LeBron and AD? Like, AD played the second most center of his career uh, and the most in LA last season, hmm. and that was part of one of the adjustments that they had talked about going into the season was because of the spacing issues of having Russ at point guard. You can't really play a traditional center and AD and Russ. So AD's like, I'm going to play more center. AD did that. LeBron, LeBron also played more center. LeBron played a lot of center last year. Uh, and LeBron was willing to kind of cede the ball to, to Russ at, at times. So, like, I think those two guys made much more, you know, many more sacrifices than Russ did. He did not ha- hold up his end of the bargain. And even if, like, it's one thing to underperform, but he underperformed and also did not make the changes he said he was going to make. Didn't even mm-hmm. really try to make those changes. So, I think the writing is on the wall. It's just a matter of when do the Lakers execute a trade. I, I think they, they can get it done. They're probably gonna have to give up two picks. That, that's going to most likely be the price that, that it costs to, to trade Russ. But um, I think right now it's, it's a big game of chicken. Everybody's kind of waiting it out to see, you know, what, what's the, what's the best move? Um, you know, wh- what is the least amount we can give up to get something else? But I, I think you're going to see it kind of ramp back up towards training camp in like late September when I, I think these talks are going to start to heighten. Interesting. And I also just wonder, like, do you think coming out of that meeting, do you think LeBron's committed to retiring a Laker? Is that now done? Do you think he's feeling good and that we should see an extension coming soon for LeBron? No. Uh, So I think. I think he's happy in L.A. and I think he's going to end up signing some type of extension could just end up being like a one plus one or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
I think there's going to be that that flexibility to potentially leave to play with Bronny. Uh, so I, I think you know may, maybe it's a wink wink situation, and it's we're going to get Bronny to the Lakers no matter what, mm-hmm. and you know may, maybe th- and that's the way he signs up kind of long term. But I think more realistic would be something like a one plus one, and he has that option of if the Lakers aren't able to get Bronny, he can opt out and finish, you know, play his last season somewhere else, wherever Bronny is. So uh, I, I think, so I, I think it's, it's not really a matter of him not liking the Lakers or wanting to go somewhere else. It, it's more of just, I think he really wants to play with Bronny. And uh, I think he wants that optionality of, you know, if it doesn't work out getting Bronny to LA, I can go somewhere else and, and make this historic situation happen uh, so I, I think the the one way that that could change and, and that's where I'm interested in kind of the timing of his extension because he can technically sign it although uh, his deadline is June 30th 2023 so he has all not all you know all of next like Lakers can win the championship and he could sign the extension in that like two week window before free agency starts so he has plenty of time to decide mm. Um, I think it's in his best interest to really let this play out and see how the season goes because I know that if if he if they have a repeat of last season or or even seventy five percent of last season, he's not going to be happy and and that would be the one scenario in which I think he considers potentially leaving if he just views the basketball as like now they I mean Russ is coming off the books next, next summer and they'll have some cap space and like there are things they can do so I, I think there, there's still a path to like maybe this upcoming season isn't the greatest and then the following season they can kind of bounce back. But like LeBron's going to be in year 21, going to be turning 39. Like I think he really is focused on this upcoming season. So I think if this season is is a disaster again, that's like the one path to him maybe considering leaving. But barring that, I think really the only thing that's going to get him to leave is Bronny. Unless you just promote uh, Rich Paul to acting GM like you. Sure. Sure. I wonder if he's a GM in this league in like the next five years. We got to like, I think that's a possibility, right? Like Rich Paul, I mean, there's just so many. I mean, you look at Palenka right there, but you go up and down the list. I don't think it's that crazy that uh, Rich Paul's a GM somewhere in like the next five to 10 years. I think he could, but I almost think like being the most powerful agent is even better because you can. Yeah, I guess it just depends on what you want to do, right? Like, where do you find more? Make more money. Definitely make more money. And you can almost be the agent for multiple teams yeah, and have your hands in, in multiple organizations. So uh, I think that's, uh, or I mean the, the GM for multiple teams, not the agent for multiple teams, but um, yeah, I mean, I think he, I think he's in a great spot. He's uh, mm-hmm. he's crushing it, you know, dating Adele, like that there's, it's hard to, to um, find like a, a blemish in what he's doing right now. So I, I think he, if, I think if he wanted to be a GM, he, he could make that happen. But I, I think he likes the spot he's in right now. Who's the one celebrity that you see at a lot of Lakers games that people don't realize it's a big Laker fan is at a lot of these games? That's a good question. Uh, Nicholas Braun from Succession. I know he goes to a lot huh. of Knicks games, I think, too. Okay. Uh, McLovin. I forgot. Those two <laughs> okay. are often at games together. Uh, Interesting. Sorry for not remembering. Does that he get? Make, I don't think anyone. They, does, they sit courtside. They sit like baseline courtside. Um, okay. I saw Leo at a game 
where um, I knew someone who was sitting courtside and they invited me to like the, the courtside kind of suite halftime room. Mm -hmm. And then like I walk in and immediately to the left, it's Leo with like a cap on kind of in incognito mode. And I was just like, Whoa, like that was one of the few people that I've seen in person that I was kind of like, starstruck at uh just because he's one of my favorite actors nah he, he was in sitting at a table and in a conversation but uh it was weird because i didn't even see him like at like sitting i wonder where he was sitting actually like at the game hmm. uh i mean floyd mayweather's all <laughs> goes to a lot of clipper games too so it, it's hard to say he's like a laker fan um but he's at a lot of games uh Otherwise, I mean, I would say it's pretty much like the standard. Uh, Jack wasn't there as much last season, mm-hmm. um, but obviously Jack. Uh, I've seen Denzel uh, a couple times, uh, and and that and then there's always a rotating cast of former Lakers just kind of coming mm-hmm. in, and they'll walk by and and get a standing ovation. Um, Who's your favorite former Laker to talk to? Uh, I did a story on James Worthy last mm-hmm. year, and and he was he was really cool to talk to. Uh, he he just has a, I mean, he has a really cool voice, and then he he just also has this like really grounded perspective that you wouldn't expect for someone of his stature. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a reason why he's so good on TV. Um, favorite former player ever to talk to is Corey Maggette, who I, I got huh. close with when I was covering the Clippers. Uh, but he, he was a cool guy, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say James worthy is probably the, the person that I've spoken with that I, I was most impressed with and, and just, you know, had a really good conversation with. I remember at a Clipper game I went to years ago now in LA, the, uh, what was a guy from workaholics? He was, he was at the game and was like decked out in Clipper stuff. And I forgot his name. He had glasses, um, do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, Adam Devine? No, 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 no. It wasn't one of the big three. It was... Oh, oh, Eric know. Griffin? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like yelling. He was like really into it. Like he was really yeah. hard to... But I think Adam Devine's a Clipper fan too, right? Yeah, no, they, they all had... Um, Adam Devine... I think Adam and Eric actually got season tickets. Hmm. And then they would sometimes bring the other two, uh, Blake and Anders. Uh, hmm. So... I actually have a, a picture with, I took a selfie with them quickly. This is like in my, the beginning of my reporter days when I was less professional. Uh, you can still do that, man. If like, if you get Leo in the room, you can take a selfie with Leo. If you get that opportunity, when else are you going to get that opportunity? Yeah, it's true. It, it's weird. It, it's like, you don't, there's, there's just the, the, there's like the journalism ethics in me that, you know, kind of scoffs at it. But then there's like the, the normal person in me that's like, Hey, like, well, it's also like my brain doesn't go to picture. Like, that's never been my thing when I run into a celebrity anywhere. Like, I don't think, oh, I want a picture with that person. I'm always, like, overloading it. Like, what do I want to ask this person? Like, I, that one shot. Like, what 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 could I ask them that could throw them off that I would actually want to know? Like, what is one thing I could throw at them? I, I'd ever think, like, let me document this with a photo of the two of us forever. That's well, never... Well, now never I'd be like, brain. Let's, let's, do a, let's do a TikTok quickly. Let's, See? Let's do a little viral, viral dance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, you could do that. Um, what... Uh, this was interesting too. This is the last Laker thing we'll talk about here. I thought it was interesting that they are now openly just saying 
the offense is going to run through Anthony Davis next year. Like this is Anthony Davis. That's where we're starting. And that is where we'll ride and die. Obviously you talked to LeBron about that. You have that conversation you're like, Hey, to win, we need an Anthony Davis. But also I think that's an easy conversation to have, right? Because you have one where Anthony Davis was the best player on the floor. Like that mattered. And I think LeBron, if you asked him, I wonder what he would say if you were like, Hey, was Anthony Davis the best player on the Lakers and during your title run? Like, was he the best? I, I would be curious to get what his actual answer on that was. Cause I feel like he might say Anthony Davis. Um, but you look at that and you hear that and you know with what kind of style Darwin Ham has, is it like, are we going to see a Giannis type role in Milwaukee for AD? Is that kind of where they're going to go with this, where he's going to play the five, like you mentioned primarily. And a lot of people are talking about uh, Bryant and Jones, but it's like, those dudes are missing so many games. Like it's going to be Anthony Davis playing a lot of five. Like it's just, yeah, it's great. Theoretical guys, if we could turn injuries off and this is 2k. Then yeah, that's, that's fantastic. But it's just unlikely. Um, but what do you what do you think that actually looks like on the court with Andy Davis? Like, is that going to be all that different than what they've tried to do when he's healthy the last couple of years? Uh, I think so. I, I There's part of me that's a little skeptical just because I feel like there's always this offseason talk or, hmm. or kind of talk around training camp of like, LeBron's going to play off the ball more and LeBron's going to have the ball in his hands less and he doesn't want to carry the same playmaking load. And then maybe they try it for a few games and then like game five, game 10, it just goes back to the ball is always at its best or, you know, a team is always at its best with the ball in LeBron's hands. And that's just how it's, it's the gift and curse of LeBron. Uh, It's worked for, for four championships and multiple finals appearances. So like, I think it's, it's a pretty solid strategy uh, for the, for the most part. So I think, I know, I mean, LeBron, like that, there's been murmurs of this for, for multiple years of like, I mean, that was part of the reason why they got Russell Westbrook in the first place was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, they had the championship season and the season after LeBron wanted some more playmaking help. They got Dennis Schroeder that didn't work out. Uh, then they're still like, out there, get, by the way. <laughs> yeah. It's still out there. Uh, and what was kind of, uh, talking to LeBron on the, the, Instagram comments and saying like he wants to come back. Uh, then they, they got a better version of Dennis and Russ or so they thought, I, I don't know if he was actually better last season. Uh, and so I think to your point, I, I think there's like no one is Giannis, but eighties probably the closest thing to Giannis. Like I, I, you know, I would say um, uh, again, like Giannis is almost like this weird, 80 LeBron hybrid kind of in a way like I don't I mean it's hard to compare to anybody but uh I think there are things you can do um with AD that you, you did with Giannis be it you know using him as a roller using even having him do pick and rolls uh, inverted pick and rolls where LeBron is screening for him or Russ or, or whoever uh I think to your point though they probably have to start I think they're going to start Thomas Bryant at the five and when he's available and healthy uh, and have him in that kind of Brooke Lopez role of just basically, you know, set screens uh, around the, the top of the arc, spot up, be a catch and shoot guy. Like, you know, you basically are a stretch five and, and just stand behind the three point line and let AD operate inside the paint and, and on the block. Uh of course, the, the spacing gets a little tricky with Russ where, you know, he's just not going to be guarded at the three-point line and there's always going to kind of be that one help defender 
lurking around the paint. But uh, I think with AD that you're, you're probably going to see some more pick and roll stuff. The Lakers have always kind of been weird with like just not probably not running as much pick and roll stuff with AD as they should. And you know, he's just such a dangerous weapon of like he can pop, he can roll, um, he he can you know find guys. So like I think there's more playmaking stuff they can unlock with him. He, he's a pretty underrated passer uh, for a big. I think you, you can um, run the offense through him in the high post uh, in kind of the the mid elbow and stuff. But uh, I, I'm a little skeptical, and I, I think at the end of the day, it's LeBron. It's a LeBron team, and. LeBron's always going to be the point guard and the primary ball handler. So I think you could run more of the offense through AD, but I'm skeptical that like AD's usage is going to be, maybe his usage ends up like slightly higher than LeBron's, but I would, I would be surprised if there's like a big difference and like all of a sudden AD is the primary ball handler or like point forward and LeBron doesn't have the ball in his hands. Um, you know, if anything, this makes it worse for Russ, I think, <laughs> of just more, you know, AD having the ball more and like less Russ initiating things. But who knows if Russ is on the team? Still a lot to be decided in Lakerland, I would say. Um, we're not even close yeah. to the start of the race. I think, you know what? I, have, I actually have a lot to write about. Uh, I changed yeah. my mind. <laughs> well, that was what this podcast is for. Just kind of a, we, we're working it out. We're working out the, the juices here. Um, in terms of Kevin Durant, so uh, Ian Begley of uh, SMY had this today where Durant sees Boston as his desired landing spot. But he would also, you mentioned Marcus Smart. He wants to play with Marcus Smart. Um, so that makes it complicated if Marcus Smart is requested from Sean Marks and uh, the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets on this front. It's clear that something's going to happen. The fact that Kevin Durant pushed for both Steve Nash to, and uh, Sean Marks to be fired uh, just to keep him to stay is more of just like, I'm going to cause more problems publicly. So please trade me. Like, I please get me out of here so I don't have to keep doing this. And that I don't... Because I, I think Kevin Durant knows and I think he knew that they were not going to do that. That is not how you do business. That is not, you do not want to set that precedent as an organization that you're going sure. to bend uh, in that way where you would literally, like, no one's going to want to coach for you. No one's going to want to be your GM going forward. Like, that's not, that's just a recipe for disaster long term. So Kevin Durant knows that and knows that that was not going to be the case. But it just amples up the pressure. Boston, though, now, I mean, you're so close this past year and you have grant williams friend of the pod uh tennessee legend grant williams saying that uh, they were better but just not as disciplined as the warriors in that series um and you know they're close and i would be so conflicted if i were brad stevens about this because jalen brown is the lead piece in this right like that's there's no question jalen brown is the starting point if uh, you're brooklyn but if you're brad stevens you look at it and you're like we were 500 in february like this was a team that you were kind of wondering if they were going to have to blow it up in some capacity ahead of the deadline this past year. It's easy to forget because that feels so long ago. This Celtics team was not good for the majority of uh, the first part of this past season. And then obviously the, the the locker room conversation and the blow up with Marcus Smart and everything. And then look, everything is smooth sailing here, here on out. That doesn't mean it continues the next season. That doesn't mean that this just you're now the favorites in the Eastern conference going forward. Like the bucks will be back. They'll be healthy. They'll be great. 
Miami's not going anywhere. Philly's not going anywhere. Uh, I think Atlanta will be better. You go up and down the list. East is going to be pretty, pretty highly contested um, outside of Boston. And I just wonder, I mean, if you're Brad, like it is Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum, you probably put yourself two of the top five players in the NBA right now. That's pretty rare. And they're both in the wing. Like, it's just really, really hard to put yourself in a position like that. I think it's hard to find the Tatums. It's hard to find the Durants. I don't think it's as hard to find the Jalen Browns. And I like Jalen Brown a lot. Like, I I like Jalen Brown a lot. But if you know deep at your core that Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant will want to play with one another for two to three years... I think that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make if I'm Boston. I think that's one where enough was seen where we weren't even sure if this was going to work uh, long-term with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum that I'm like, maybe we don't run it back. Maybe we don't just assume that this is going to be just, we're bright. The Hawks did that. They brought everybody back and they thought because we made the Eastern Conference final the year before that we would just naturally progression would be linear. And now we're in the finals next year. And this group is just going to waltz right in. They had to fight for the play in. Like they barely made the playoffs this past year and then got smoked by the heat. So then they make a big trade and they trade for Dejounte Murray. And they're like, we're getting back. I think you're seeing more GMs be more open to that where it's like, man, it would be nice to rest on our laurels and just expect progress to be linear and these guys to break through. And this is just who we are. But I do wonder with Kevin Durant, it's even more complicated, but I don't know. What what do you make of all of that? And do you think Boston is ultimately where he ends up? Well, there's a lot to unpack. Um, one, I think to your point about Katie kind of leaking his ask to the Nets, like I think, you know, we were talking about earlier with the Kyrie situation of, and the Nets have just, you know, do because the Nets were trying to convince Katie to stay and mm. they, they were trying to change his mind. And I, th- I think there were some conversations with that. And uh, ultimately him kind of pulling that move made it untenable. And it's just mm. like, it's hard for me to see it's the NBA. It's the greatest soap opera in the world. So you never know. Like I, I wouldn't say anything's impossible, but it, it seems highly unlikely to me that there's a, mending of the fences and like both sides kind of repairing this situation. Now that Katie kind of, you know, ha- had that information come out that he wants the GM and the coach fired and mm-hmm. uh, that's not happening. You know, that, that's a pretty unreasonable ask. So I, I, I think Katie knew that. And I think it was kind of like the final line in the sand of like, okay, well, I'll stay under these terms that are completely ridiculous. Uh, and oh, well, you know, I gave you my terms. So now I'm out. Uh, so I do think Brooklyn has to trade him at, at some point. Now, for Boston, I think, as you were saying to me, and I, I it might sound a little blasphemous, but like Jalen Brown is their second best player, mm. but he might not be, he might be like their fourth or fifth most important player where hmm. I think obviously Tatum is the best and most important, but then like Marcus smart and, you know, defensive player of the year and just the, the brand of defense he plays uh, th- that versatility to, to defend either backcourt spot and even into the front court a bit, like, uh, and just the toughness and the swagger and like that energy that he has, like he is part of, you know, that defensive identity. And, and 
again, Jalen is an all-star level guy. Like I'm not trying to, to knock him at all, but I just think he's probably the most replaceable of like their key guy. Cause even again, Al Horford, like it's really hard to find guys, you know, centers who can pass the way that he can pass, shoot, defend, even defend like a Giannis or, you know, you know, wings in the playoffs, like, or Robert Williams, like just that archetype of player of a rim running, rim protecting mobile athletic guy like that. That's really hard to find like Jalen Brown, the athletic swingman is a coveted position, but you are upgrading that in the KD mm-hmm. trade. And, you know, sure. Maybe he's not the defender right now uh, that Jalen Brown is, but the, I think there's a huge gap between them offensively. Like, I don't care what, you know, it might only be a few points per game or whatever, but like there's a massive gap in terms of shot creation, in terms of sh- just shot making ability, uh, sh- catch and shoot, pull up, ball handling, uh, passing, playmaking, all that stuff. Like to me, there's a giant gap between the two. Um, and I think Jalen Brown's gotten a lot better in those regards. But to me, it's like if there's any way to do the deal and you keep Marcus Smart and it's just Jalen Brown. You keep like your your core guys. So Horford, I mean, obviously Tatum is, is off the table, but like you keep Smart, you keep Horford, you keep Williams. It's it's Derek White, or maybe you're flipping Malcolm Brogdon. Even though you, you I, I forgot the rules on like when you can retrade a guy you acquired in in a trade. Maybe you can't include him, but whatever it is, if it's Jalen Brown plus another player, plus however many picks have to be included to get it done, like I would do that in heartbeat. Uh, now, if you're saying Mark is smart, it's tougher for me because now it might be like your second and third best or, or your second and fourth best players. And I do think it kind of compromises your depth to the point that like, I don't know if Malcolm Brogdon and Derek White are just replacing Marcus Smart. Like, I, I think there's just some intangible stuff that he has that is really irreplaceable. So who knows? Maybe Patrick Beverly uh, becomes available uh, out of Utah and like you sign him as like Marcus Smart light and, and he could provide 60, 70% of that. But I think there is like an element of just, I, I really would like Marcus Smart is where it becomes muddy for me, but I still think I'd probably do it just because I, I think like Tatum and Durant together is like, it might be the most like that. That's a, that's like right there with Kawhi and, and PG and, uh, I mean, Jordan and Pippen, like, I, I you know, I, I don't, maybe not quite. We there don't see this very often with, the yeah, you just don't see like two alpha, top, yeah. top 10, arguably top five guys. I mean, LeBron Wade, like, but, but different types of like, th- these guys are different. Um, they were just all different in players, age. but like, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just really like you, you don't see two perimeter alpha guys at this level on the same team. And yeah. I think, you know, th- there's going to be many series that the the Celtics walk into that they have the the two best players, and yeah. if you have the two best players in a playoff series, you're usually the favorite. So, uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I think I I would ultimately do it if I was Boston, but I I would get the hesitation if they don't want to do smart and, and and that. But I'm also like for for Boston, like they've just been such a tease for so long, and I do think this year they took a big step making the finals and and almost winning it. But like, I just think there is the, the the chance that they end up playing it safe and like nothing, you know, they never won a championship. And we look back like five, seven, 10 years from now. And we're like, that's like one of the ultimate what if situations is, is the whole Boston situation with, with Tatum and 
just all the potential they've had through the years with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward and Horford and uh, now this run. And like, you just never know when you're actually going to win a championship. And I think, yes, it shortens their window for sure. Right. Like just, you know, there's only so long Kevin Durant's going to play and Jalen Brown's going to have a longer career than Kevin Durant, most likely from this point on. But I think like, I think Jalen Brown can still get better, but what's Jalen Brown's ceiling? Like, probably a top 15 guy like that's like Mm -hmm. like if he maxes out he's probably like a top 15 guy you have kevin durant who's what the second or third best player in the league right now like it's just still a case that he's the best when healthy like fully and yeah and and definitely to me like best offensive player like if Mm -hmm. if you want to say Giannis's defense uh shifts that enough that he's the best player like i I won't fight you on that but to me still the best offensive force in, in in the nba and I would still go back probably to that has like two years ago, right? Like you just I mean, go back like, to that series. And, and I think like, uh, you know, he's got four years left and, and I mm-hmm. know like on one hand, it's kind of scary. He's 34. He has a bit of an injury history, especially recently, but I think he's someone that's going to age gracefully. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's never been super reliant on his power or speed or athleticism or explosion. Like he's long and skinny. He's always been long and skinny. He can get that shot up against anybody. And, at like worse, honestly, you could turn KD into like, like late prime Dirk, and, and just have him be like a pick and pop guy, and like you know, kind of operating in the elbows and stuff, and like he can do a lot of the stuff that like Dirk did in like the second half of his prime. So, I I just I, I think KD is going to be fine, and like I, again, you know, to to kind of wrap up my point, like I think Marcus Smart to me would be a big haggling point for the Celtics, but but all and I also would look at it like. Why would the Nets even want Marcus Smart? And unless they're trying to still be competitive, right? Because because again, well, I think I that's think, what they want to do. If you're getting Jalen Brown in this and you're trading Kevin Durant for that kind of package, you want to be competitive. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I think there's something too like could having Jalen Brown and, and Ben Simmons, you have a couple guys in their mid twenties that like if you put the right pieces around them, I think you could be like you probably take us obviously you take a step back next season, but two seasons from now, if you make the right moves and put the right pieces around those guys, like you could have a playoff team at a minimum. And if Ben Simmons continues to get better, you know, becomes a player, we think he could be Jalen Brown takes another step. Like you can do a lot worse than a Jalen Brown, Ben Simmons, one, two combo. Like, I still think you probably need that one alpha guy that, that kind of knocks those two down the, the, the pecking order. And maybe you find that guy in the draft, you know, who knows, maybe you get lucky and get the number one pick. And I guess technically you could also just reevaluate like swap, but yeah. And I think Marks deserves the benefit of the doubt, right? Like he he did this with a nothing roster and dealt one of the worst hands in basketball when he took that job originally and got him to the playoffs. Kenny Atkinson in that group was just a really well put together group. And he turned Karis LeVert and all those guys into KD and Kyrie. Like part of it was just flipping that narrative and about where they were. And it was like, oh, we want to join up. Like that feels like forever ago, but you could do that all over again. If you if Jalen Brown and Ben Simmons are awesome and you develop these young guys and Nick Claxton becomes much like you can just, you can see th- the scenario where they can flip those I, guys. I think and- honestly, a, a thing that would help both sides in my opinion w- would be like wh- whatever, wherever they're at in the negotiations. And, and once they kind of get the structure of a deal, like it, if Marcus smart is still a haggling point, like if I'm the nets, I just say like, Hey, okay, we're going to, you can take Marcus smart out, but whatever the current, you know, structure of the deal is like, I want an extra pick and and an extra pick swap. And like, you know, Mm -hmm. that's going to be a little bit of an over the top ask, but like, okay, you keep Marcus smart. You keep your starting point guard defensive player of the year. We don't necessarily need that guy on this roster, but we want some extra draft capital. And 
I think if you're Boston, like you just do that. And then you go into next season with Marcus Smart, uh, potentially Brogdon or, or White, depending on how small or, or big you want to go. Katie Tatum in the front court and then Robert Williams at center. And like, that's Horford off the bench. Grant Williams, like, that. You, you think, he, yeah. I mean, I, I'd, I'd push for Robert Williams more than Marcus Smart if I'm the yeah. Nets. Like that makes more sense. Of course, if you're the Celtics, I think I'd rather keep Robert Williams just because that type of player archetype is just so, I think, valuable. But I don't know. It, it, I mean, you, you still have Horford, I guess, technically. Like, yeah. It's tough. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the Nets want a massive haul. So if it mm-hmm. ends up being Brown plus... White. I would say like Brown, White, Williams is probably the starting point. Yeah. And then... And it's like you can keep smart, picks, but you're giving us Eric swaps, White. Like I, yeah, yeah, something like that. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot, but but it also might win you a title. Um, so we'll see. I'm very curious to see what ultimately happens there. Um, because it felt like Phoenix was the option, and then Phoenix and the Aiden stuff just goes that way, and now stuff, Phoenix yeah. can't do it, and now Phoenix and then might Miami be... can't kind of can't do it because of Bam. Yeah, and I think it was Ben Golliver last week who said that like Phoenix might be the new Utah, and I hadn't considered that, and I was like, oh god. I guess that's a possibility where like they kind of overachieve, make the finals and then take a step back. They, they may have should have lost. I mean, you were covering that team at that time, the Lakers and that series, like if 80s healthy do the Suns go down and not make the finals. And then we have this complete different perspective on the Suns because they get bounced in the second round this past year. They could have been bounced in the first round last year. And it's like, Oh, this is all fool's gold here uh, with Paul Booker and Aiden and company. And I don't know, like I'm very, very fascinated to see what happens with Phoenix next year. Um, but we shall see. Uh, speaking of Phoenix, uh, the NBA win totals are out and I want to pick your brain on what you see here and get your first perspective on the positive. Who do you, which of these win totals do you like? Which jump out to you that you really like, Jovan? I don't think I had seen these yet. Um, okay, I'm I'm pulling them up. Uh, which uh, book is it? It's the Caesar. DraftKings. Okay, yeah, Caesar. Uh, one second. Uh, okay. Uh, um. So Celtics fifty four and a half. Yes, that, they're the lead. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Suns fifty three and a half. Th- these always seem like lower at the top than you because mm. there's always like a sixty one team or like high fifties. Um, uh, I think Warrior. Ooh, I, I like Clippers at fifty one and a half. Uh, hmm. I think to me. Uh, to me, the Clippers, if healthy, are the best team in the NBA. I, I think if every team is healthy, I, I would take the Clippers. Um, I just think that their depth is ridiculous. And they have not only like the the one hole in their team is is backup center. They don't really like technically have a backup center behind Zubots, but I, I think that's a position you can find in the G League. It's a position you can find buyout, you know, just that like there are we, we've seen replacement level center is, is kind of like you know there are plenty of like decent six ten to seven foot guys that yeah. like can, can at least give you some minutes. So I think, but like, just I mean Kawhi, we, we saw he single like almost single handedly won them that Dallas series. 
was, was you know, arguably the best player in the playoffs uh, up through that point before he got injured. Uh, I think Paul George uh, had a really good year last year when healthy. And then, um, again, the depth of like Norm Powell, Robert Covington, Terrence Mann, Batum, Mar- uh, Marcus Morris, Zubats, Reggie Jackson, John Wall. Like this team is like 12 deep with guys who would start, I think, in like, would start or be like in the top seven in like over half the league. And they're like, some of these guys are going to be like Terrence Mann might not play. And he was a huge part of the Clippers the last couple of years. So, um, <coughs> excuse me. I think the Clippers are absolutely loaded. Now, health is the biggest thing with them where this team just can't stay healthy. And we, we've seen them be disappointing, you know, partially because of that. Um, let's see. Uh, I like I like the Nuggets at 49 and a half. Hmm. I'm also high on the Nuggets uh, coming back with Murray and, and Porter. I like the KCP pickup. I like the Bruce Brown pickup. Uh, I think that's a team that could win low to mid fifties. Um, Bucks at fifty two and a half seems a little low, depending on health. Yeah. Um, let's see ones I don't like. Well, let before you get to don't like, oh, I'll yeah, throw the ahead. ones that I like on this. Okay, I'll say, uh, and if you look at the bottom, uh, there are some that are pretty interesting too. But I like. The Hawks, 46 and a half. I think that's, I, I feel pretty good about the over there uh, with this group. They're too old, and uh, DeJounte and Trey are going to win a lot of Eastern Conference games, so I'm going to go ahead and guess. Uh, Timberwolves not winning 50 would blow my mind with what they just did for Rudy Gobert and Kat and Anthony Edwards. Like, I think they're a top four seed uh, in the West next year, and I'd be pretty surprised if they're not. So the 48 and a half, I would feel really good about. And then the other one is the Sixers at 50 and a half. I think Sixers have a I would not be surprised if the Sixers are the number one seed in the East going into the playoffs next year. I think we're in agreement. The one team I'm I'm low on personally is the Timberwolves. Um, hmm. But even in the regular I, I feel, season, yeah, even in the regular season, like I I just think like I mean you you can we we can do this exercise quickly, but like Suns or Timberwolves, Timberwolves. Okay, I would say Suns. Warriors or Timberwolves. <sighs> Warriors. Okay, Clippers or Timberwolves? Got into my head, Timberwolves. Okay, I, I would say Clippers. Uh, Grizzlies or Timberwolves? Timberwolves. Okay, I would say Grizzlies. Uh, Nuggets or Timberwolves? I think they're going to be close, but I'll say Timberwolves. Okay, I would say Nuggets. And then Ma- Mavericks for me is where the line gets close, but that's like... yeah. That's already their sixth in the West. And, and I mean, we've seen the West. They've had seasons where eight teams win 50 games. So not saying I, I don't like the line. It's it's more just, I think, for me, I, I currently, I think I have the Timberwolves like seventh in the West, where a lot of people have them like four or five. So I'm, I'm just a little bit lower on them. I just, Anthony Edwards, I think, has a case to be like, he might be the best player in basketball in two to three years. I, I think we're, he's 19 years old and what he did in the playoffs last year was just preposterous. And I, I'm all in on Anthony Edwards and with Gobert and what he's going to bring in the regular season. I just look at this group. They have their eight or nine guys. I think they'll be fine. And I think they're just going to win a bunch of regular season basketball. Games. I think now, for I me, it's if- not, it's, it's not even like, I don't, it's not even a knock against them. It's more just like, I think the West is like ridiculous. Like, well, I don't think the Warriors will prioritize regular season, right? Like you just ran the playoff gauntlet. Like they just played a yeah. bunch of games. They're going to want to protect Steph. 
Like, I don't think they're going to be chasing a top four seed if they like if they stumble into it. That's great. The one thing though is I do think we've seen like it's still, and and the Warriors have kind of shown it if anybody because they weren't always a one seed, but like. I think seeding still matters to some extent where like it is harder. Hmm. You, you still rarely see a team make the finals as like without having home court in the first round. Like, you know, you usually it's usually a top four seed. So and I think just having like I, I think that there's room for growth with the Warriors where like maybe Steph doesn't, you know, you you reduce his workload. But like I think Clay is going to be hungry to, to kind of have even more of a bounce back season and show like, OK, yeah, I was a little rusty last season, but like now I'm. I'm clay again. Uh, I think Wiggins still has a little bit of room to, to grow. And then pool is, is up and coming. And then you got Moody and Wiseman and Kaminga. Like those guys are, I think could, could step in with bigger roles. So like, I, I'm really high on golden state uh, to, to me. They're the second best team in the West be, behind the Clippers. But um, yeah, I, I guess I could see Minnesota having a better regular season than some of those teams. But I think, like them versus them versus Memphis or Dallas is close for me, but like I, I think there's a clear top four with, with me with uh, Clippers, Warriors, Suns, and Nuggets. I think those four are above everybody else. Interesting. I probably put my safest top four: at Warriors, Nuggets, Timberwolves, and Mavericks. I would say are probably my comfortable top four. Okay. We'll I, just, I mean, the, hey, you you picked the Lakers to miss the playoffs last year, so I did, uh, and you, I, <laughs> you were you, you got some clairvoyance. I I also picked the Raptors, as Ben Golliver reminded me uh, last week, to win the finals before everybody else did two years ago or three years ago now. Um, but I will say, I think the Lakers make the playoffs this year. Um, no, I'm we'll not even saying that. We'll, we'll see. I just help. I think as constructed, there. I've been saying this like. They're a six to ten seed currently for me, and like I guess on average that would make them probably like an eight seed, and obviously an eight seed's in the plan. Uh, I just don't think they're. But that's with Russ, with Westbrook, that's with right? Russ. That's what I'm saying. It, yeah, I just they, don't they think can't. that's what's happening. I think they they're doing like, something. They, yeah, that, I, yeah. If, I'll if believe you, when you I put see Kyrie. It, you put Kyrie. Yeah, you put Kyrie. I think that's a four or five seed. But right, and I just uh, think even if it's not Kyrie, they do something else. I I will be. LeBron will not allow it. Like LeBron's not doing 82 games of this back back year. So I just, I'll believe when I see it uh, on that front. Um, The other way though, um, the other side of things, what numbers do you not like when you look at this one total? What jumps out of you? You don't like as in like unders that. Uh, Yeah. You're just like, they're definitely winning less games. I mean, that's at nets at 45 and a half is yeah. That's they probably got to take that down. Right. Like you can't be gambling on that right now. And that's everything's in flux. Cause a lot of people are going to be throwing money at the under. At this point, yeah. Uh, Suns at 53 and a half is a little high. Like, I, I think the Suns can kind of go like one of two ways. Like, I, I do think we, we've seen, we, we've kind of seen this where, and not that it's even at like the level of like the 07 Mavericks collapse or like, you know, so, some of these teams that, that, you know, were, were highly touted that, that end up losing early. But I think they're at an interesting point where, like, you had the whole DeAndre Ayton situation. I, I think that certainly played a part uh, in the, the playoff loss, you know, and, and him getting benched in, in game seven and, and just uh, kind of the, the way that series went down. Uh, you, you now have a, a couple of heartbreaking, like, back to back losses of 
you know, first you were up 2-0 in the finals and, and probably should have won that series. Then you're up 2-0 in uh, the, the conference semifinals against a team that, you know, if we were drafting player, you know, blacktop style drafting players, like, yeah, Luca goes one, but how many Suns go before the next Maverick? Like, hmm. you know, four or five, like, you know, uh, it, it's tough. So I think, you know, Maverick, I mean, uh, Sun should have won that series. And I think like they can, you know, kind of your Utah thing, like at least Phoenix has some semblance of success where like Utah never even made a conference finals. Phoenix at least mm. made a finals was up to a, like, they at least have that confidence of like, we've, we've been in a run, but you know, do they go the way of the Lob City Clippers and the Jazz or do they kind of bounce back like we've seen some other teams kind of do where after a tough, you know, like the the 2013 Spurs losing to the Heat coming back 2014 with, with Vent. Like, we'll see. And we kind of thought that was going to be the case with the Suns last year when mm-hmm. they kicked everybody's butt in the regular season. And then it was like, OK, the Suns are the best team that, that you know, they've had that, you know, taste of blood in their mouth. So. Suns are a tricky one for me. I, I don't know which way they're going to go. Uh, I would take the... I'm not high on uh, on the Knicks. Uh, hmm. Surprise, surprise. Uh, I think 39 and a half is high for me. Uh, I think that's a mid-30s situation. Or, or maybe close, like maybe they're close at 38, 39. But I'm not... That, to me, that's not a 41 team. Uh, the Jazz at 32 and a half. I know that's technically with Mitchell right now, but... That's another one that I think the Jazz are going to be arguably the worst team in the league next season. Um, That's also weird. That went quiet. Like, we haven't heard a peep on the Donovan Mitchell thing. Yeah, and then the Spurs... Spurs at 24.5 seems a little high. Like, they're... I mean, they they got rid of DeJounte. Like, They're going for Victor. They're all in on the Victor. They're they're tanking. And, like, when the Spurs tank, they they go for, like, 12 wins. So, uh, I could see... The Spurs, Spurs under would be wild. Yeah. Kings at 32 and a half seems a little low. Uh, I feel like the King Kings could get like mid thirties, mid to high thirties, but I, think I know we're talking about 30? unders, but yeah, I, w- I would say for, for me, it's, it's probably like nets and jazz really stick out as just with the uncertainty in those situations. But I'd also probably include Spurs and Knicks as two hmm. teams. I, I think I'll, I'll take the under. The other one I would, the two I would throw out is Grizzlies 15 and a half. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is out until what, January? Um, I, yeah. I would, I, I've never been a Grizzlies believer. Two things are true. I love watching them play. They gave the Warriors the toughest time, I think, of anybody in the playoffs this past year. And that series was a lot of fun. Jaron Jackson Jr. when he's healthy is awesome. Ja Morant when he's healthy is awesome. Ja obviously goes out with the bruised knee. Uh, in that series, Jaron Jackson uh, out as well, four to six months, uh, dating back to June. I just don't think it's going to be a team that you can just rely on to make it through. A, like their core pieces are just going to be injury prone. Like I just don't see the way Jaw plays, which is so much fun. I just I don't see a scenario where he's playing 112, 114 games in a season and just being fine. Like I just he is so much fun, but. There's a lot of Derrick Rose feelings I have there watching him, and he's a lot of fun. But I would not want him to. It's so hard because he is so much fun to want to watch and so easy to root for. Jaron Jackson has never been healthy, but he keeps going to that next level. And you're like, the talent's there. And when you saw it in the postseason, like those two, if you can turn injuries off, you would love to build around those guys. I just, 
regular season next year, not having him for a lot and then having to get him acclimated in the middle of the season. I don't know. I, I think that seems like a huge red flag. They seem like a seven, eight seed to me uh, next year. And then the other one, uh, where to go? Uh, the Hornets, 37 and a half. Miles Bridges is just gone. He may never play in the NBA again, and they got nothing yeah. for him for some heinous shit. So he's like, should not like it, like whatever. Miles Bridges is now out of the building, and he was maybe their best player last year, and he's just gone. Yeah. Gordon Hayward, I, we'll see what happens, but like, you look at this roster now. I, the one thing I feel like is like Steve Clifford is like just one of those coaches that's that the grinds thing. He gets out. to the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. Like he, he grinds it out to be like a seven or eight seed. I don't mm-hmm. think they're gonna be a seven or eight seed. I just think that I think the East, like the East, is loaded too. Where, um, I mean, you know, we're talking about the Hawks and like uh, obviously the, the the top teams of the East, but you got the Cavs, you got the Bulls. Uh, I think the Wizards w- with the healthy Bradley Beal enter that mix, you know, and potentially and uh, like the the East is absolutely loaded. So. And then, you know, the Nets are a wild card depending on what they do with, with Katie and Kyrie. So I think that, like, there's no guarantees. Like, th- th- this team probably is not making the, p- the plan. So it- it's tough. Like, I-, I could see it, you know, can Steve Clifford get them to a 9 or 10 seed? Sure. But uh, I- I'm kind of with you. I-, I think that was one of the ones I, I wasn't sure on. And um, yeah, I think losing Miles Bridges, uh, while clearly deserved, uh, is something that's going to be a on the court uh, a tough blow for them yeah because it's not like it's a trade he's just gone and you have nothing to replace him with and i just yeah i'm not a believer um i think something crazy happened with harold this offseason too um but yovan what uh what can the good folks check out from you at theathletic.com this week uh well so far nothing (laughs) yeah but uh if if you if you are subscribed um you know be sure to uh keep tabs on the Lakers page. I will be having a review on the, the new Lakers Hulu um, documentary. So th- that'll be out soon. And then uh, just be sure to check out my Twitter and, and TikTok and Instagram at Yovan Buha, J O V A N B U H A. And uh, yeah, especially TikTok. That's the one I'm trying to plug uh, doing some, you know, been doing behind the scenes stuff and yeah. try to reply to comments and stuff. So get at me on uh TikTok if you're on there. When Stargaze in season two coming out. Uh, we are currently in the beginning stages of season two. So okay. I would Very suspect cool. fall, prob- probably October, November. That was the Leo conversation. That's what you were hinting at. You couldn't yeah. divulge more when you're like, oh, I ran to Leo <laughs> at the back. And that's actually what it was. It was getting ready for stargazing. You're First guest. Yeah. yeah. Um, noted uh, NBA lover and podcaster and uh, all about it. Leo DiCaprio. I don't think he's ever been on an NBA podcast, has he? I don't think I've ever heard. I've never heard so. an interview with him, really. I don't think I've ever seen him on a podcast. I, right? I've seen, I, I've seen like the press junket interviews, but... But like never uh, a podcast or anything deep dive. No. Like I don't, no. no. Not maybe like a, a climate change one that, <laughs> yeah, but that was maybe... I, yeah, it. it's never been his thing. Um, Leo, don't be a stranger. Come on the pod. Talk with Yovan and I, uh, or just go on Yovan's pod. Stargazing. Yovan Bua. Thank you, as always. I greatly appreciate it, my friend, and I will talk to you again soon. Sounds good. All right, y'all, that'll do it for the 
part one here on the Thursday, August 11th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Most Podcast. If you guys enjoyed uh, part one here with Yovan Bua of The Athletic, please, please, please make sure you leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If that is indeed how you listen to the program today, check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Like and subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, part two coming up, full ride at Green, right for this. Stay with us. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.